Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, many of you have done work fixing up old homes, restoring them, rebuilding them, maybe even building brand new. As we kicked off this sermon series uh, two weeks ago, I mentioned a television show called Fixer Upper, and I know that it resonated with a lot of you. I know we got a lot of Fixer Upper fans in this room now, but then I realized after the fact that uh, there was somebody who was doing this kind of work on TV long before Chip and Joanna. I forgot all about this guy, Bob Vila. Remember Bob Vila, this old house, right? I mean, the man is a DIY expert. He wrote books on the subject, if you can even believe it. You don't have to go to YouTube. You can buy books. Think about that. It's novel. All right. But this old house, we've got a this old house kind of episode going on today as the exiles, the people of Israel, are returning to Jerusalem to rebuild their old house the temple, their place of worship. And so God's people in in these few chapters of Ezra today need to get to work remodeling and restoring and rebuilding their worship life in Jerusalem. So we're picking up today our our rubble restoration story by looking at chapters 3 through 6 of the book of Ezra. Now, if you're just joining us today, if you haven't been with us, we are journeying through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. I know some of you might be saying, I didn't even know that those were books of the Bible. Never heard of them before. Well, we are journeying with God's people. At this point of the story, they had uh, been taken captive to Babylon, a foreign land. They were prisoners of war, as we've heard, for the last number of decades. But now they've been allowed to return home to Jerusalem to rebuild what had been destroyed by their captors. Those of you who have remodeled an old house, if you, I don't know, how many of you have ever purchased an old house and restored the whole thing? A couple of you. And some of you have built brand new houses as well. I'm wondering when you go through a sort of restoration project like that, or just imagine if you were going to restore your whole house and redo it, which room would you start with? What would be your priority? Some of you, maybe it's the kitchen. Got to get the kitchen in order. That's like home base for you. Without a working kitchen, you just don't know how to live in your home. So maybe you got to get that established so you can have food and prepare food and maybe work on the rest of it as you go. For some of you, it's the bathroom. (laughs) Got to get the bathroom done so we can, you know, use it and take a shower and get cleaned up. For some of you, maybe it's the bedroom. You know, you got to have that, that space in order because rest and relaxation and that recuperation time at night is very important for you. Which would be your priority? As this group of exiles is returning to Jerusalem with the, the, the decree that they are supposed to restore and rebuild the house of God, the temple, Do you know what they do first, where they go, what the very first thing is that they rebuild? It's the altar. The altar. 
The altar is the central place of worship in the Old Testament. It's the place where the sacrifices are offered to God. We have a piece of furniture here behind me in our sanctuary. This is called the altar, this place up here, this piece of furniture. It's called the altar because the greatest sacrifice, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, are offered to us for the forgiveness of our sins. But in the Old Testament, the altar was in the temple, and it was the place where offerings and sacrifices were made daily to God. It was the center of their worship. And so these exiles, they go to the the ruins of their temple, and they go right to where the old altar was, and they build a new altar. And they begin to offer the sacrifices over and over again on a daily basis. And it specifically says, before the foundation was even laid, they're offering sacrifices to God. The people responsible for leading this rebuilding effort are two guys primarily. We heard about one of them last week, Zerubbabel. Pastor Kevin mentioned him to us. And the other is, uh, is, is Jeshua, which is a, a, a form of the name Joshua. So you get, you get Jeshua and Zerubbabel. Jeshua is the high priest. So he's the guy who's sort of in charge of the religious affairs of the nation of Israel. And Zerubbabel is the governor of Judah. So he's in charge of the civic affairs. So these two guys, they're working in tandem, the religious and the civic, to rebuild uh, Jerusalem by starting with the temple. And they're leading this charge, rebuilding and rebuilding. And after they get their altar established, after they implement the sacrificial system, they do what you would do if you're rebuilding a house. They make a plan they gather together supplies, they raise funds, they hire workers, and they're getting all that stuff taken care of. It takes them about seven months until the foundation is laid and finished in Jerusalem for the temple. And after they lay down that foundation, there is a great celebration that they have. We read about it in Ezra chapter 3 today. The priests and the Levites, the, the religious people, put on their fancy clothes and they gather together all the musicians, and you can imagine, they all gather together on that, on that foundation, and they have a great celebration of praise to God, repeating the words that David had spoken and that the people have spoken throughout the ages. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. <clears throat> Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. These are words, if you ever read the Psalms, you'll see these words repeated and repeated and repeated. It was part of the worship life of the Israelites. So now, coming up out of exile and laying that foundation and having their center of worship, you can imagine these cries of praise to God that life is being restored to them. And the young people those who were born in Babylon, who had only heard the stories of the grandeur of Jerusalem, they are so excited. And so they sing these praises to God. But then there are some old people, some, some people who lived long enough to actually see the former temple and to live through the exile and the tortures of that. And now they've come back 
And as they are worshiping and praising God, the, the shouts of these young people and their praises are so loud, but the, the elderly people, their praises are not so loud. But their weeping is because it's just rubble. The former temple, Solomon's temple, was, was glorious. They know what can be, and this is just not really what they're expecting. Ezra says that the shouts of joy and the, the weeping sounds were both so loud at the same time that they were indistinguishable from one another. It was a good experience, but just not what was expected. I don't know if you remember this. Some of you have just come to our church since this time, but June 7th of 2020, June 7th of 2020, uh, I shared these words. Because June 7th was the very first day that we returned for in-person worship after not having anybody in the sanctuary for months before that. And on June 7th, I spoke about these words because we were experiencing sort of a similar experience. Those of you who gathered into this room for worship on that day, things were, things were good, but it was weird. We had seats roped off. Uh, masks were being worn. There was no shortage of hand sanitizer. There were no coffee, no donuts. On that June 7th, people hardly talked to one another because you weren't sure if you were supposed to. It was, it was good, but it was, it was weird. Worship. We, we gather for worship. We desire to be together for worship. The exiled desire to worship God. Do you ever wonder, though, why is worship such a central part of our Christian experience. Why do you do this? Why are you here on this Sunday morning? Why does this seem to be such a, a central part of what we do? It always has been. I mean, those exiles, I told you, that was the first thing they did. When they got back to Jerusalem, the first thing they did is they built the central place of their worship, the altar. For our life during COVID, the thing that we wanted to try to keep together the most was our worship life. Why? Because we believe that in worship, we come to acknowledge that God is the giver of everything we need. We gather together as people of God, first receiving from Him. We come into this place to receive. We gather together to be filled with God's good gifts. He has already spoken words of forgiveness and life to you. God has already declared you a forgiven child of God. You are His, marked as His. You are his people. We come to be filled and he overflows us with his goodness and then we respond with thanks and praise. We receive, God gives, and then we respond. It's why we worship. You know, we gather together here in this place as people who are hungry. People who are, I pray that you came to this place hungry today. 
This image, I'm going to share this example, it uh, by no means compares with what we actually do in worship, but I think you'll understand the image here. It's like, it's like going to the refrigerator for a snack, all right? You go to the refrigerator, you get a snack out, you go to the refrigerator to get out supplies for your meals, you go to the refrigerator often, right? And I, I know that I take my refrigerator for granted, and I know this because the other day it stopped working for a short period of time. My wife had gotten something out of the refrigerator and was enjoying a snack and closed the door. And then I went back, I don't know, about 20 minutes later, and I opened the door and the light was off. And I thought, oh no, the light bulb burnt out. And then I looked around and it had that, that warm smell to it. And I thought, oh no, this isn't good. And the cans and the glass stuff has condensation on it. And I thought, huh. So I did what any reasonable person would do. I checked to see if it was plugged in. And it was. And I thought maybe the circuit breaker is tripped. So I went downstairs and looked at the circuit breaker and it was fine. So I came back upstairs like a professional uh, refrigerator repairman. And I did what they do and I opened it up and I looked at it again. And then I closed it. And then I opened it again. I, you're not really supposed to do this because you want to keep yourself cold, but I opened it, I looked, and I closed it. And then I scratched my head. And then I opened it, and it was on. The light was on. It was cold again. It healed itself. It's a magic refrigerator. I don't know what happened, but it's still working today. And so all is well with our refrigerator. So I pray you see, so often, I mean, I take that refrigerator for granted. It just provides me with snacks and food until that moment where I'm concerned that it may no longer do that and I recognize how important a role this thing plays in my life. God is in so much larger a way our provider. He gives us everything that we need. He gives us everything that we need, and so we respond to him with thanks and praise. You can imagine if the opportunity to worship God was removed from you for decades, that when you are able to gather together once again as these exiles are, that this time of celebration would be such a welcome sight, and it was for them. That's why they shouted out, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Worship plays a central role in our lives and in our experience together. That's why as a church at St. Peter and Paul during COVID, before COVID, after COVID, why worship continues to remain a central part of what we do. But let me be very clear, worship is not all that we do as a church. I pray that your Christian experience is so much more than just this one hour on Sunday mornings. However, this does play a central role in what we do. And this is why the devil does not want us to worship. The devil does not want us to gather together. He, he wants us to live life with broken refrigerators. <laughs> Or even better yet, according to him, he would love for us just to disregard that the refrigerator is even important. He wants us to just disregard that God is the giver of all good gifts. Just to live life on our own thinking, I got it, I don't need God in my life. This is why the devil tries to frustrate the people of God as they desire to gather for worship. 
He did it to the exiles. In Ezra chapter 3, the people have built the altar, they've laid the foundation, and now they're continuing to build the temple of God when opponents of theirs, people who lived in the land during the exile, and these, their, their opponents from long before also, they come to the construction project and they say to Zerubbabel and Jeshua, hey, we've got people, we will help you build your temple. And Zerubbabel and Jeshua say, no, thank you. We do not want your help. You are our opponents. Maybe that sounds crass to you, but it made sense to them at the time. They say, no, this is our temple to God. We have been instructed to build it. We're going to build it. Well, those opponents, they didn't leave it at that. They begin spreading rumors throughout town about these Israelites. They actually offer bribes to uh, leaders in the community to frustrate the building process. You can imagine that. I mean, they probably disrupt the supply lines and workers and all that sort of stuff, causing chaos and confusion. So much so that these opponents, they write a letter to the king of Persia, who is a new king of Persia over this entire empire. And they write a letter saying, you know what, king? These Israelites, they are rebuilding their city. They are wicked people. You Take a look. You'll see. And the king writes a letter back and he says, yes, they need to stop building. So they cease construction on the temple for 15 years until some prophets of God come along by the name of Haggai and Zechariah. These guys both have books in the Old Testament, Haggai and Zechariah. They're prophets. Prophets speak God's word to people to stir them up. So Haggai specifically comes to Zerubbabel and Jeshua and he says, guys, get up and get to work. You've ceased construction on God's house and you're just concerned with your own. Come on, get to work, he says. He actually speaks this. Haggai chapter 2 verses 4 through 9 says, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came up out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. In this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Haggai stirs up Zerubbabel and Jeshua, and guess what? They get back to work. They start rebuilding, they, they pick up right where they left off, and they begin rebuilding and rebuilding, and then, guess what? More opponents come. <laughs> I won't belabor the point, here's the short story. These opponents come, try to do the same thing. They write a letter to the king of Persia, but this time it's a different king of Persia because it's 15 years. They say, you got to stop these people from rebuilding, and this time the king of Persia says, no, they need to rebuild their temple. So let them rebuild. And if they need more money, you pay for it and give them money to help rebuild their temple. And so on they go with their construction. God speaks to them and says, I am with you. Fear not. I will give you peace. This is why we worship our God. Because we have a God who is with us. We have a God who is for us. We have a God who gives to us. 
At Saints Peter and Paul, worship is one of the pillars of our ministry where we are alive in Christ. And we say it like this about worship in this place. We are alive in Christ in worship because God is for us and God is with us. We are made alive in this place as we gather together because our God is here for us and our God is with us. His word is real. His sacrament is real. His fellowship of believers is real. Real stuff is happening here today when God's people are gathered to receive his word and his sacrament. God is present with you. We are here not simply to sing some cool songs and listen to some guy give you information about the Bible. That is not why we are here. We are here to encounter the Almighty God who gives the sustenance of life itself that can be found nowhere else. The God who gives life and rebuilds life and restores life and renews life. The God who gives eternal life by giving up his own life. This is why we are here. This is why God has met you here today, to restore, renew, and rebuild you. As a church, at Saints Peter and Paul, as we continue to be rebuilt and rebuild our ministry, you better believe that worship will still play a primary role in what we do here. It will. We will continue to have our Sunday morning worship services, regardless of what gets thrown our way. We already know how to deal with adversity, albeit whatever adversity or adversaries come, we will deal with it and we will worship our God in spirit and truth. We will continue to have multiple opportunities and styles of worship and the creative, bold proclamation of God's word. In addition to that, as we move forward, we are going to continue to seek uh, to begin another worship service as well at an alternate time from Sunday mornings. This was a project that we had been looking at before COVID, before Pastor Kevin ever came and joined our staff. Last fall, we attempted to start something new, but then the COVID stuff got complicated and we, we had to call that, uh, call that quits for just a little while. But we will be seeking to rebuild uh, a new worship environment. So be looking for that. It will not be a carbon copy of what Sunday morning worship looks like. It will be a unique worship experience. But be looking for that in the coming months. Also, I just want to say to those of you joining us online, our online worship has been an incredible blessing to many people. I had somebody recently tell me that without it, he probably would have taken his own life, okay? And, and so I know that that sounds, that sounds maybe overly simple, but it's true. Uh, through this one simple camera on the back wall, God has been touching lives and changing them. Some of you may not know this, those of you who gather here locally, but we have people from around the country that join us for worship. We actually have a small group, a couple of small groups, but one in particular that does not live locally, who have begun meeting together in a home, utilizing our worship service. We know who they are. I know who their key leaders are, and they are participating in intentional discipleship with us, learning how to teach the Bible, learning how to evangelize, learning how to lead this group of people. 
And who knows, maybe that small group gathering, those of you listening, maybe God will bless your work and eventually become a congregation of your own. It's how many congregations have formed throughout the world, throughout history. We are not going to be turning off our live streaming anytime soon, but we're probably going to lean in even more and continue to offer and provide even more opportunities for digital discipleship and evangelism moving forward, for God is blessing this ministry. At the end of the day, God is our provider. We receive from him and we respond with thanks and praise. We do that corporately here on Sunday mornings right now, but we have also been created to be people of worship. Do you know this? God wants you to be people of worship, to have lives of worship. What does that mean? It means go to the refrigerator and get a snack and give thanks for that snack. It means go to God often and acknowledge his good gifts. When you're at the beach, you give him thanks for the beautiful day. When you're tucking your kids in at night, you give him thanks for that family. We worship and praise God for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. God is for you, my friends. God is with you. Let your life be one of worship and may your cries shout out joy to the Lord who provides for you. His steadfast love endures forever forever. One very last thing. Each week we're giving you homework. Here's your homework for next week. Read Ezra chapter 7 and 8. Ezra chapter 7 and 8. Go with God's grace with his peace. He is for you and with you in his name. Amen.